0: Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible Prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm Minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the very beautiful and today very hot uh, city of Adelaide. I'm also your drive time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is a fantastic privilege to be able to share with you uh, on this uh, magnificent uh, summer's uh, summer's day. Um, this week, uh, we've been following uh, the theme uh, entitled, Is Faith More Than a Crutch for the Week? Now, uh, on, on Monday, we tried to define. Uh, what is faith? And, uh, uh, my good friends, uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Will and Pastor Ricardo, they defined faith. They dug into Hebrews chapter 11 and just, uh, what is faith, uh, certainly historically. Uh, yesterday, uh, we, uh, moved in a, in a slightly, uh, different, uh, different direction. And today, however, We want to move into the question, uh, does faith exclude reason. Now look folks, this is a really big one. Uh, there are so many, particularly from the academic world out there, uh, who are prepared to argue, prepared to say uh, that faith automatically excludes reason. Uh, I believe we're going to see by the end of uh, end of today that faith uh, that doesn't include reason is in fact a very insubstantive uh, faith. This is going to be a fantastic discussion. I'm really looking uh, forward to it. Now, to go through our discussion today, We've been joined by our regular our Wednesday co host, and that's Pastor David Butcher. And David, of course, is the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Isles. Now, welcome to you, David. Good afternoon. Good evening,
1: Gary. And uh, great to be on air with you. And hello, listeners. Isn't it lovely and warm out there today? Yes. Uh, if you're in Adelaide, I think it's probably about 36 degrees.
0: We're heading yep. for 38 tomorrow without the humidity. and it's uh, it, This is a lovely spot to live you know, in. I've lived for a number of years up in uh, up in Brisbane, and then another four or five years I, I lived in Townsville, and I can well remember uh, getting uh, getting out of the car in Townsville and my glasses just totally fogging up, and having to wait two minutes while my glasses slowly acclimatise to the humidity. It's a lovely spot.
1: Look, uh, uh, it up is there. it is Gary, and um, uh, this last last week I was actually up on the Central Coast of New South Wales, along with our ministry team, and uh, now I know why you weren't there. It wasn't just to host the drive time program, it was the humidity issue, and look, um, it's amazing how you adjust, isn't it? It is, it And I remember I studied at a seminary on the central coast of New South Wales, and I remember hopping out of the car late February, having driven from Adelaide, and uh, it just hit me. Yeah. This, uh, just like a wall of humidity. And um, you do get used to it, but um, look, uh, I'm
0: glad I live in the part of the world I live in at this point in time. Yeah, indeed, and very much so. Uh, Tell me something. How did that ministerial convention actually go up there at Avondar?
1: Yeah, look, uh, thank you, Gary. Look, it's, you know what, it's a blessing uh, to be with colleagues, isn't it? Mm, You know, ministry in most denominations is. Is often a solo ministry, like you'll connect with ministers from time to time. You might be blessed to be in a church or a parish with more than one minister. Mm -hmm. And I've had that opportunity before. But, um, to to gather with, um, you know, 500 ministers and many spouses. It's powerful, isn't it? It's really powerful. And, um, for you know some really good um, workshops and uh, plenary sessions and speakers, yeah, you know, I guess challenging pastors in their walk with the Lord, um, deepening uh, deepening their understanding on things. You know how how can you connect with Muslims, for example? Yeah. You know from yeah. Scripture, what does the Quran say uh, about Jesus, etc. Mm. Uh, and many many different workshops. You know how to how to. Uh, how to live in a family and and make sure family worship and family devotions are a part of life. Mm. So there are so many workshops that that you could do, and I think just the worship. Singing and celebrating and praising God was really powerful. And then the networking with, with new people that you haven't yeah. met before, but uh, people that might be from in other parts of the country right across Australia. Yeah. So no, it was wonderful.
0: I've certainly found in those, uh, those meetings reconnecting with people that maybe you went to, uh, you know, to, to, to university, uh, college, uh, many years ago and you mightn't have picked up on, you know, spoken to them for 10 years, but suddenly those dorm room discussions all come flooding back again and, uh, you start to uh, uh, to reconnect with the people that you sat in class with. And to me, I've always found that, that I mean, I wasn't there on this particular occasion, but the ones I've been to, uh, that's been one of the things that I've probably appreciated the most.
1: Look, it is. And and um, it's interesting you, you catch up on people's journeys and their experiences. And, and I guess as, as ministers, you're dealing with very diverse things, aren't you? From you birth are. through to death through to counseling and marriage breakdowns and theological challenges and all of those sorts of things. Everything about human nature and human life. And so, uh, it's good to brush and rub shoulders with
0: other people and, get to hear how they've dealt with things and, yeah, and what they've been yeah, going through. Yeah, indeed, indeed. David, look, let's come to our World Watch segment. Now, look, um, I'm going to repeat uh, a question. Well, it's not the same questions that I put to uh, Yoshi uh, yesterday, but it's certainly the same subject because I'm just uh, really conscious that here in Australia at the moment we have got a major religious issue that is really starting to impact our our society. Uh, and, of course, that's this uh, this debate as to uh, what extent should should, uh, Christian schools, uh, be able to, uh, hire and fire a core, uh, a- According to their own beliefs and practices, uh, and of course, the Australian Law Reform uh, Commission has just put out a major report saying that uh, that right needs to be done away with. We are at a major, I believe, a major turning point uh, in Christian education here in Australia. Now, I've just uh, today I picked up another article, uh, this time again from the from the Australian, and um, I, I believe this uh, this particular article made some some excellent sense. But I'd like to get some feedback from from you. The article was entitled, Authentic Culture of Faith-Based Schools Must Be protected. And uh, this was uh, uh what uh, what what the author presented. Uh the uh, the public release on Monday of a letter signed by leaders of all major faith traditions addressed to federal attorney general has reignited the debate on religious freedoms in this country. The leaders convey their deep disappointment with proposed reforms released for comment by the Australian Law Reform Commission. Those reforms are are in response to the Albanese government's request for laws that will ensure that a religious school uh, must not discriminate against a member of staff but may continue to build a community of faith by giving preference to persons of the same religion. Now, some would say that's a mutually exclusive um, uh, expectation, but, hey, let's keep reading. Uh, as Anglican Bishop for South Sydney, Michael Steed, made clear in an interview with ABC Sydney, the Australian Law Reform Commission's proposals that schools be required to employ a religious studies teacher who doesn't actually believe... Or practice the things that they're teaching mandates hypocrisy. It may seem ludicrous, but as he clarified, the Australian Law Reform Commission's proposal means that you could well have the situation where someone is required to teach the Ten Commandments saying, You shall not commit adultery, but then can also say, I personally don't believe that, and I'm having an affair with the science teacher. <laughs> In the Northern Territory, the passage of laws adopting this test late last year led to a dramatic clash between religious groups and the Territory Government. At that time, the Bishop of uh, Darwin, uh, Charles Gorsi, uh, threatened to to shut Catholic schools, asking if we cannot have proper Catholic schools in our system, uh, if you cannot be authentic What is the point of having them? I felt that was a marvellous question. Um, As the Australian Law Reform Commission admits, restricting religious educational institutions from excluding staff members who do not adhere to particular beliefs of the religion may arguably impact the authenticity or credibility of the institution's delivery of faith-based education in the eyes of religious and the parental community. Notwithstanding this very candid admission, the um, Australian Law Reform Commission proceeds to propose unprecedented restraints on the rights of parents to ensure the education of their children in accordance with their religious and moral convictions, rights enshrined in International law. Now, when I read this particular, and the article does actually go on, but I found this article just incredibly incisive. But David, look, what I'd love to do is just just ask you just a few questions that I, because I think we need to clarify just a few things here. Now, look, I I've heard a lot about, uh, and this article certainly predicated uh, on this assumption. I hear a lot about independent schools having a unique identity. Can you just tell us just clarify I mean you're the you're the head you're the uh chairman of uh, uh you know a, a not insignificant school system here in South Australia what does it actually mean for uh, for independent schools to have a unique identity
1: yeah, look, thank you, Gary. And um, sadly, this whole topic is um, rears its head way too often. The challenges to to Christian education systems, a- and it's uh, going to increase even more, I fear. And I do have an article I want to share from this letter that you you've read from the article from the Australian, from today's Australian, called "Authentic Culture of Faith Based Schools Must Be Protected" uh, by Mark Fowler, refers to a letter that was in yesterday's Australia mm-hmm. which I also have in front of me and I mm-hmm. might draw from that shortly. Yep, yep, yep. But your question is, you know, um what, what what does having a unique identity mean? You know, um the Law Reform Commission is is indicating or suggesting that only those particular subjects like a chaplain or someone like that where where the a clear ethos is taught, if you like, only those roles should be protected. So things like maths and science and geography and by yeah, yeah. all of those things or anyone could be employed. Yeah. Uh, but, but I want to suggest that, yeah, um, a unique identity is more than just studying religion. Uh, the identity isn't just one facet. It's, it's the – well, our identity is, is our whole person. Mm-hmm. It's it's holistic mm-hmm. So you can't say someone's identity Revolves around a particular subject And if you're a faith-based school We will only um, provide protections For you to employ uh, a teacher or a chaplain Who only teaches this one subject mm-hmm. uh, Then every other subject your school teaches Well, you may be forced to employ people Who aren't of your faith belief Or aren't even Christian mm-hmm. And in fact who may uh, who may strongly advocate against the ethos of a Christian school? So, okay. what what makes the identity of a person? It's of,
0: how, what makes the identity of, of a, of, of a unique identity of a Christian school.
1: So, it, I would suggest, Gary, uh, clearly um, from a Christian perspective, obviously you could have an, a Muslim school, but but it's the fact that your Christian ethos and values pervades every facet. Of what occurs in, in your curriculum, on your camps, in your chapels, in lunch breaks, out on the sporting field. In other words, it's something that pervades every single element of of of, of the school environment. Mm-hmm. It cannot be it cannot be um, dictated or, or or commanded that it only
0: uh, reaches so far as a Bible teaching. Okay, okay. Well, uh, you know, I mean. I, I, I'm accepting what you're saying there, but, you know, I mean, h- how does this practically uh, actually, uh, actually work? I mean, um, you know, I mean, I, I want to be able to teach, um, my, I mean, how do you teach Christian ethos? I mean, Christian, you know, the, the, um, I mean, is that more than just a Bible class? Oh, look, it is, absolutely. And as you're, as you're talking there, Gary, I'm thinking about
1: with young children. I remember uh, with our young children, when they were young, you know, I'd be walking, uh, my son, I remember specifically, he might have been four, we walked through a cemetery and I talked about what death is and and what what will happen when Jesus comes back. When you're walking through a forest, mm. uh, you're seeing beauty and you talk about creation. So, um, uh, basically i think every element of school life uh, and i know in our schools and other faith based schools um it's it's praying in the morning in class the homeroom teacher it is the homeroom teacher doing a devotional there is an assembly and there might be bible texts given there is newsletters with with a, 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 a Christian message uh, there is every subject almost can and should be giving deference and glory to god and and and, ap- and actually opening the student 's mind that we 're not just living in the visible, there is a whole realm.
0: Uh, the spiritual realm that impacts every facet of life.
1: Mm,
2: so I don't mm.
0: know if that's... Yeah, yeah, no, that's good, that's good. I, I, I'm particularly interested that in, in this article that I read, you know, the Anglican Bishop of South Sydney made it clear at an interview with the ABC that schools, be if schools are required to employ a religious studies teacher who doesn't actually believe or practice the things they're teaching, it actually mandates hypocrisy. Uh, and you know, I, I mean, to me, I think that make, he makes and makes excellent sense on that, uh, on that particular account. But look, tell me something, David. S- sorry, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Can you hold that thought or yeah, do you yeah, want yeah. Me to hold more? No, no, go on. Now, it's you go almost
1: on. like, um, McDonald's being forced to employ someone who hates McDonald's but will strongly advocate for KFC and, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so when someone comes up to the counter and they say they want to buy, a, say, some, a chicken burger or something, a, something McDonald's sells, yeah, yeah. and the employee that they're forced to hire says, well, actually, K- Kentucky Fried Chicken have a better one, don't buy the McDonald's one. It it just doesn't make sense to be forced to employ uh, people in your organisation that don't hold your
0: ethos. Okay. Well, let me just ask you to go from there. How does – how is unique identity formed? I mean, what's the – you know, how does that come about?
1: Yeah, look, I – Obviously, in the schools which obviously it happens in Christian homes and schools and churches, but in a school um, it is molded over time and often it 's modeled yes. it 's modeled by the teachers it 's modeled by the staff it 's modeled in their interaction, even when a level of discipline is required um, or you know in a in a good Christian school, that will be uh, handled through a Christian value system. Mm. Gary, out of this uh, letter by faith leaders in The Australian yesterday uh, that the article you're referring to uh, talks about, it says, The purpose of religious schools is not only to impart intellectual knowledge, but also to instill religious values. In addition to teaching the prescribed curriculum, they provide religious activities that seek to demonstrate to students what a life lived in accordance with the relevant religion looks and feels like in practice. Having teachers and other staff at the school who can participate in these activities as a faith community, Mm. so it's holistic, whether these staff are engaged in religious teaching or not helps to realize the school's religious purpose Mm -hmm. and to develop an understanding by students that religion is not merely and this is important, it helps to develop an understanding by students that religion is not merely an adjunct to core activities but an integral part of them. Now what the Human Law Reform Commission is proposing is that you can separate the religious component from all the other things. Whereas Christian schools turn around and say, well, no, that's physically an impossibility. And not only that, this letter in Yesterday's Australian says these, this holistic thing, you can't separate religion from all the other core activities. It says these are among the reasons why many parents choose to send their children to religious schools. Mm, mm. So, so uh, we have uh, many private – the private school system in Australia is large, right? Mm, yeah. And the Christian school system is large. You don't have to send your child to a private school. You don't have to send your child to a religious school. That's why we have the state education system. Yeah. And it's typically basically almost free. Yeah. yeah. And yet here we have a segment, a large segment of the population that chooses to pay... To go to an alternative school. ...for a particular reason. Yeah. Why is that? Is it just so that little Johnny can be taught Bible in one class... No, it's the whole ethos and everything
0: that pervades and everything that happens in that school. yeah, 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 and and look, I, I really appreciate that last thought, because what it actually means is that you know there are some who may say that, look, you know, I, I don't really want, neither do I desire." to come to your school because i don't you know agree with your your ethos and uh, you know to, to that i mean i personally would say well uh, yes that's that's actually correct and i certainly respect uh, your your decision but to me diversity actually requires that uh, i actually have no problem with a person choosing a different option and yet we're living in a culture That is trying to restrict diversity. Correct. Trying to pull it all together and say we must all have schools that all look exactly the same. And this is what happens with this... I was going to say, modern way of thinking, the approach
1: that we're headed down in society, which is supposedly inclusive, but it is actually exclusive. It is forcing people and reducing options. Gary, this letter from yesterday's Australian, it says, faith-based schools in Australia have long been free to give preference to employing staff who share or who are willing to support the faith and beliefs according to which the school is conducted. They do not seek the right to discriminate on the basis of a protected attribute. But simply to be able to employ staff who share or are willing to uphold the religious beliefs of the school. The Australian Law Reform Commission is proposing to greatly restrict this freedom by requiring religious schools to employ teachers who may not share or support the religious beliefs of the organisation and whose employment... Listen to this: whose employment can only be terminated where they actively undermine the religious ethos ethos of the school. But um, to go through a process like that, can you imagine? actually prove that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, I mean, that is a, 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 a two way argument uh, straight away with huge expense to both parties. And Gary, this
1: this article that was in yesterday's Australian, which the article you've read uh, today follows on from, was uh, signed um, was written by the Right Reverend Dr Michael Steed. Uh, Anglican Bishop of South Sydney, and it was on behalf of numerous religious organisations, including um, uh, the Anglican Church in Sydney, uh, the uh, Diocese of Sydney, the Greek Orthodox Church of Australia, the Imam, Australian National Imams Council, uh, the Australian Jewry Council, mm-hmm. Jews, uh, the um, uh, Archbishop's Catholic Archbishop's in Melbourne, uh, the president of the Islamic Council of, of Victoria, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Seventh-day Adventist school system, the Presbyterian Church of Australia, mm. uh, and it, uh, the global, it just goes on. It goes on. So, Baptists, the Global Senior Pastor of Hillsong Australian Christian Churches, um, many, many different organizations for saying, "Hey, wait a minute. You know, um, you're actively undermining undermining yep. people that have a faith, and you're actually dictating what the limiting their faith.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 No, Dave. Really appreciate that. I think that this is something that I believe as Australians we need to be incredibly aware of. It's something that I know that I've encouraged people to say, "Hey, look, this is probably something that's worth talking to your local member about." Uh, this is something that is uh, that is vital. That uh, certainly those who have got a, a a religious ethos and whose children are now in, a, uh, in a, uh, independent schools. Uh, need to be concerned about. And Gary,
1: just adding to that, I would really encourage people to get a hold of The Australian Mm. uh, yesterday and today's, the articles that are in them. And as you say, I mean, uh, go and ask your MP, your state MP, your federal MP in particular, because uh, this will be a federal uh, legislation, but ask your MPs, you know, what are your thoughts on this
0: matter? Because our, our politicians are... Um, servants of the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, that so much, David. Really appreciate what you've shared there. Uh, let's come to Carly Fletcher. This is uh, a, a song, beautiful song. Follow, follow the Lamb.
2: We will keep the commandments of God through the faithfulness of Jesus. With patient endurance and faith, we will follow, follow the land.
0: is Carly Fletcher and Carly was singing follow the lamb a beautiful beautiful voice uh, she uh, she does have and thank you so much for that uh, that Carly and now folks look today we do have our giveaway for this week now this one is a real ripper and I I am actually surprised at how popular uh, it actually is, and uh, I shouldn't be. Of course, it's actually a gift Bible. Now, uh, I mistakenly uh, thought, you know, will will the Bible be something that uh, uh, that will be called upon? Well, this has been probably one of our most popular presentations, one of our most popular gifts. And look, folks, if you would like your own gift Bible, now this is the New King James uh, Gift uh, Gift Bible. In it, however, what it's got is the Mark Finley Bible Study Helps. Now, Mark Finley is a ripper of a, of a presenter and has a wonderful understanding, uh, of, uh, uh, of scriptural truth. And, uh, he's actually written up, especially for this Bible, some Bible Study Helps. And they're in the back of the Bible, uh, together with a 12-month, uh, plan for you to be able to read your Bible through. Now, and this is something that I try to try to do on a, a reasonably a regular uh regular basis, and I find it incredibly rewarding just reading it from cover to cover, but you do need a little bit of a plan that plan is actually in this uh Bible now, folks, if you would like this uh, this gift Bible with the mark finley helps and the and the reading plan, then look all you need to do is to text us now this text number is o four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight. 80811. And just all you need to do is in your text, just put the, uh, the code. And, uh, the code is, uh, SA, uh, one zero. Oh, what is it again? It was one zero three. Goodness me. I, I've had so many weeks. I'm forgetting my codes. SA one zero three. Uh, now this is a real, uh, a real beauty. Uh, this, uh, this, uh, gift Bible. And uh, we've had a lot of people, uh, request, uh, the gift. GIF Bible, SA103. What that will do is uh, trigger our robot. He's called uh, Pilgrim, and uh, he'll uh, come back to you, ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. If you'd like this gift Bible, 04888-808-11, uh, and uh, the code again is SA103, with no gap between the SA and the 1, uh, 103. David, Gary I like just, the offer
1: Yeah look I'd like to ring up This is an incredible Bible The resources in the back are first rate And in my ministry In my years of ministry I've used this particular Bible Particularly with those resources in the back So many times It's packed full of deep biblical understanding and wisdom But made very simple So listeners ring up and get that book off Do you find the Bible reading plan useful? Yeah I do I use a various different Bible reading plans The Bible reading plan is but for me, it's all the help section in the back that, right. for me,
0: just really, uh, really value. Yeah, no, it's very good. He's a marvellous, marvellous presenter. That number, again, is 4888 808 uh, and the code is SA1003. Uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher And David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church Right here in South uh, South Oz and really appreciate his, his ministry And uh, this week uh, we've been asking the question Is faith more than a crutch for the week? Now on Monday we actually started by uh, looking my good mate uh, Will and uh, uh, Ricardo. They dug into this issue They tried to define What is faith And they actually went To Hebrews chapter 11 And just worked their way Through Hebrews chapter 11 The great faith chapter Of the Bible In order to define What faith uh, actually is Now yesterday uh, The subject that we uh, Dug into Was uh, this uh, this subject uh, uh, Is faith More than a crutch For the weak It's a claim That is put against So many people Of, of faith now, now today uh, that question uh, that we're looking at today about faith is does faith exclude reason you know I've I've heard so many people uh, make the accusation to uh, Christian believers that faith is blind uh, it's something that you just jump into there is no evidence there's no support structure uh, there's nothing uh, to support faith it's just simply blind now David uh, you've worked in ministry for uh, for many, many years now look you know how would you respond to this particular question? I mean in your life is your faith blind? No, it, it's it's a reasoned faith Gary.
1: Um, some people think faith is a step in the dark or a leap in the dark. Mm. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. The Bible reveals evidence for God, evidence for his creation, prophetic you name it and so it is built upon surety and certainty. And we see that even in the book of Hebrews, Gary, which, which we might allude to. Um, you know, um, basically society, I guess, in the last 150, 200 years, perhaps, Gary, uh, has begun to even more separate this whole thing between faith and reason. Yeah. And it does not have to be because I believe that reason is also something, a God-given ability,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, David, one of the passages of scripture that I, I really appreciate is, uh, is actually, you know, I mean, first Peter. Uh, puts a uh, puts a, a powerful um, um, st- uh, statement here. It's chapter three and verse uh, verse fifteen. And uh, uh, Peter is uh, certainly uh, uh, writing and uh, probably to a Jewish audience. But this is what he says: But sanctify the Lord God, sanctified or set aside the Lord God in your heart, and always be ready to give a defence or a reason to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you but do it with meekness and fear it, do you think that passage says anything to us, to us David yeah look it does it shows us Gary I believe how faith uses reason
1: yeah, understand how faith uses reason um uh, because faith and trust require an object in which to be committed to. Uh, one must inquire of the things um, that would be believed uh, before they can be believed. So in this case here, this text in 1 Peter 3.15, where Peter says, you know, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, um, essentially, um, reason supports faith. While reason is not sufficient to produce faith, it does support it. Um, and so...
0: Reason helps remove some of the barriers for faith. In other words, faith has substance when I can give an adequate reason for the faith that I hold. Absolutely. Um, And reason
1: can be used uh, to show that faith is reasonable
0: now that's a lovely way of putting it that's a lovely so david let's let 's dig in you know we're saying how important reason actually is just let 's dig into this a little bit more then I mean what reasons uh do you have what uh, what is there about your faith that makes your faith reasonable to you?
1: Yeah, what I love about um, Christianity, and I guess in particular, I've um, chosen to become a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, is I believe that uh, Scripture and the biblical worldview fits in with what I see around me. Okay. So um, as I look at what's happening in the world, uh, and uh, and what the Bible predicted thousands of years ago, I can see that playing out. So uh, my faith experience is enlightened and um, strengthened by the things I see in the world and in nature. Let me give you an example, Gary. Um, uh, Basically, I'd suggest there's two sorts of reasons, if you like, or revelation. There is general revelation, which Mm -hmm. is um, they speak of the things that uh, reveal God in the natural world. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then there is um, special revelation. And those are the things that are revealed in the word of God that can really only be truly known by faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So special revelation and general revelation. And so in Psalm ninety-seven six, uh, the psalmist declares, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So I guess what this is telling us is that God's glory... Um, uh, can be
0: seen, and the evidence of God can be seen in the works of creation, and of course, in the world in which we live today. Uh, the the popular opinion is that you know, I mean, that's a that's a faith only position, and yet, you know, to me, I look at this and I say, hey, I look at the sheer amount of. Evidence that's out there that speaks to me of a designer, you know, one of the uh, real privileges. And I, I would encourage people to, if they want to hear more on this, and you're going to be hearing some advertising on it on Faith FM, uh, over at my Brighton Church in just about, uh, I think it's about the 18th of uh, March, we're actually getting, um, having uh, um, a, one of the representatives of uh, Creation Ministries are coming to share with us for the day. Now look, if you happen to be here in Adelaide and you want to hear um, hard facts, if you want to hear uh, um, uh, wonderful evidence. Then I suggest to you that this uh, is the place that you uh, you need to be. You know, to me, uh, nothing uh, I suppose did more for my faith when I had the privilege of sitting down at the feet of some creation scientists, and there are many, 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 many of them out there. Uh, and they just I uh, spoke about to to them what the evidence was. For the biblical worldview, I thought it was very powerful.
1: And, and Gary, you've really touched on something powerful because it's almost like, and this is an exaggeration, if you like, a hyperbole, it's almost like many scientists today believe that if you have faith, it's blind faith. You've got to put your brain in neutral or yeah, turn it yeah, off yeah. to believe in a God or creation, yeah, etc. Yeah. cetera. But, um, you know, as we we're preparing for this program, I thought, hang on a minute. You look at the world of history since Jesus and how many scientists and astronomers were actually God believing men and women. And just to give some examples Gary, you've got Albert Einstein. Mm. You've oh. got uh, people like Blaise Pascal. Yeah. Uh you've got uh, Sir Isaac Newton, Francis Bacon. Um these are uh, Galileo. These were um these
0: were these weren't dimwits. But you don't even need to go back into history no. because if you go into the present day, the thing that I really appreciate is just the sheer number of, um, of, of PhD level, uh, science trained individuals who are starting to say there are huge problems with the whole evolutionary worldview and that the, uh, the creationistic, the, um, the, uh, the design, design. principle actually has substance to it. Yes. Yeah, so,
1: all of these uh, scientists uh, in our era plus eras gone, um, they help and, and they believe scripture. I mean, Isaac Newton wrote commentaries yeah. on, on parts of the Bible. Yeah. These were brilliant men and women and are today still, as you said, and they shine light that a designer... You know, as the first beginner, if you like, that we're we're creatures of a designer, rather than some big bang or something that happened by chance. Mm -hmm. No, Um, we are creatures from the hand of a designer. So,
0: faith is reasonable. Faith is real. Okay, look. Let's because uh, I know that there may be people listening today that might be saying, oh, look, you know, I mean, uh, that's something that I that I struggle with." But David, look, are there any other uh, evidences uh, that you have that you know support uh, your uh, your faith uh, faith belief? You know, what are the other evidences?
1: Yeah, very good question, Gary. Um, Look, I, I think it again. It's being surrounded by other people of knowledge and wisdom, mm-hmm. um, and and as you learn at their at their feet, if you like, you you see things such as Bible prophecy.
0: Okay, just open that one up, up for us. Yeah, look,
1: um, uh, you know, I, I think of uh, Daniel chapter two. Yeah, in Daniel chapter two, we have um, a, a book that was written, you know, six hundred years. Uh, before Christ yep. Predicting world empires mm-hmm. Through to the modern day mm-hmm. a- And Daniel chapter 2 Where, where um, King Nebuchadnezzar Has a, a dream uh, and um, Or dreams as the Bible says And uh, he wakes up He's scared and he sees this image This statue made out of various metals And um, no one can interpret That for him mm. And yet here is this uh, Jewish Elderly Jewish uh, prophet Daniel Mm-hmm. A God-believing man that uh, is given wisdom by God when he goes home and prays, mm-hmm. he has confidence that um, God will reveal mm. the answer to the the, the king's dreams. And, and so Daniel comes back and he says, "Look, the God of heaven has told me." And he then Daniel begins to list in Daniel chapter two. Um, World empires, not in some scatterbrain approach, but consecutive world empires from the prophet's day, basically right down to the time in which we live today in, in I guess, uh, in our culture with the culmination of Jesus and his second coming.
0: Yeah, look, David, I think what you've actually put together there is so important because I know that for me, uh, biblical prof- prophecy is just so key. It's such an important part of the biblical, uh, worldview. I mean, you mentioned there, um, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter, uh, chapter two, but I-, I love to actually go into, uh, Daniel chapter seven because in there you actually get, you get the mm-hmm. naming of, uh, of particular kim, kingdoms and the kingdoms had yet come into existence, but Daniel actually names kingdoms who are going uh, to come uh, come into the future, not just kingdoms coming into existence either,
1: but kingdoms that would actually be um, the the empire the, the the most successful you know the, the powerful one yeah so not just yeah. any kingdom coming in but one that would be at the head, if you like, one that would be in yeah. charge yeah. And, and above the others uh, and, and so Daniel chapter two is just one example. Yeah. of um, many, many times I've heard of stories and even people themselves that were atheists that when they understand the prophecy in Daniel 2 and they read it and it's unpacked for them uh, and you look at the Encyclopedia Britannic or any modern encyclopedia and when you know when the book of Daniel was written... Yeah, It couldn't have guesswork. Yeah. You might be able to guess
0: some of the world powers, but to get them in order without gaps, mm. that doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't, and particularly when they're not in existence at that time. You know, this is one of those areas that, to me, it gives me incredible confidence that the Word of God is indeed powerful because it has got the ability apparently to be able to predict what is actually going to occur in the future. Now, to me, that gives substance to faith. This is not blind faith. This is faith that is established upon something which is uh, far stronger uh, than just uh, uh, something airy fairy that's no, out there. Exactly. And so
1: I guess to reason means to think and work s- through something, yes, right? Yes. To use our mental faculties. And God is the one that gave our mental faculties. God is the one that is the giver of education, the author of education. A- and so uh, God doesn't want us to put our brain in neutral and just. Accept something where there is no substance. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and this is where I would recommend that uh, gift Bible. If, if look, if you're wanting to see evidence, then please have a look at the um, at the Bible guide put together by Mark Finlay at the very back of that Bible. It's incredibly powerful. Guys, let's come to some music. This is uh, She Reads Truth. Uh, the song is Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And then we're coming to the, uh, uh, to the climax of our hour. Please, uh, please enjoy uh, this powerful uh, Christian Christian, uh, christian hymn He reads... Truth, great as thy faithfulness. You know, that is, uh, uh, one of the earliest of, uh, the great hymns of the church I ever, ever learnt. And to this day, it's probably, uh, my, my favorite, uh, hymn. Uh, it's, it's a powerful, powerful words, uh, with wonderful musical, uh, backing. Now, folks, look, that, uh, giveaway again is the new King James Version gift Bible, uh, with the Mark Finley uh, helps in, in the back, uh, together with a, uh, read your Bible through in a twelve month uh, plan in the back of the Bible. it's a real beauty, this gift, and uh, we've had a lot of people uh, really uh, respond positively to this particular gift. We'd encourage you now, look, if you would like your own copy, uh, our text number is o four, triple eight, eight oh eight eleven o four, triple eight, eight o eight. 11 and all you need to put in your text is our code. Now the code for today uh, is SA103 and now no gap between the SA and the 103 just five digits in a row. SA103 and that code will trigger our robot, uh, we call him Pilgrim, and uh, he will uh, ask you just uh, a few questions uh, so that uh, we can get some details off you so that we can get this uh, uh, to you in the fastest uh, way possible. I'd recommend it to you. This is a fantastic offer. So many have already taken uh, advantage uh, of it. Uh, It's the New King James Version Gift Bible with the Mark Finley Helps and the Read it through Bible plan in the back of the Bible. And that number again, 0488880811. And the code is SA103. Uh, now, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. And uh, this week we've been asking the question, is faith more than a crutch for the week? And today we've been chatting on the question, does faith exclude Reason, David. I really appreciate what you've uh, shared so far. I think it's so powerful. It's got substance. It's got depth. Uh, now, look—is is there? You've got about five minutes before we need to wrap it all up. Is there anything else you'd just like to share? Okay, with?
1: Let's fire away, real quick, hey It is by reason, Gary. It's by reason that we discover truths about the existence of God, the authenticity and the history of Jesus, and the reliability of Scripture. So, reason helps us with that. But reason can also help us to know that faith is reasonable. Um, while, while faith though sometimes goes beyond reason That doesn't make faith unreasonable
0: yeah.
1: um, For example the Bible teaches that God is triune You know three in one mm-hmm. um, uh, While the Trinity is believed by faith In the authority of the scriptures It goes beyond our reason to fully grasp Yeah. yeah. So yeah. none of us can understand the Godhead or the Trinity fully yeah. 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 But um, by faith we do um, Now that's not unreasonable mm-hmm. Now I just want to Give a quote, Gary, before we jump to mm-hmm. another biblical passage. One of my favorite books, Little Pocket Book, Steps to Christ. We've given this away before on this program. The author there, Alan White, says this on page 105 God never asks us to believe without giving sufficient evidence upon which to base our faith. His existence, His character, the truthfulness of His word are all established by testimony that appeals to our reason. And this testimony is abundant. Yet God has never removed the possibility of doubt. Our faith must rest upon evidence, not Mm. demonstration. Mm. Those who wish to doubt will have opportunity, while those who really desire to know the truth will find plenty of evidence on which to rest their faith. Beautiful interplay between
0: faith and reason. Yeah, the two actually come together, support and blend together. Beautifully. Yeah, yeah. So, Gary... um, um, one mean, la- well, let's have one last thing because we've we're coming to the very top of the hour we've got a couple of minutes left only.
1: Yeah, so 1 Corinthians 15 the New Testament author the apostle Paul um, wrote this in chapter 15 it's the only chapter in the whole of scripture that deals basically entirely with the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 and onwards. He says for I delivered to you writing to his audience yep. yep. First of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to the present, but some have fallen asleep." After that he was seen by James, then by the all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me, mm. also as one born
0: out of due time mm. so gary what do you what do you draw from this? Well, to me, David, the thing that really jumps out at me is that what what Paul, the Apostle Paul, is doing is giving a statement of fact. In other words, there was a man called Christ. Uh, He was he was born, he lived, he died, uh, but significantly, he came back to earth again, and he uses as evidence, he doesn't, it's not sufficient to say how this is a faith statement, he uses evidence, evidence, fact, fact. he says he was seen by all the apostles, he was seen by over 500, most of whom are still alive to this very day, and if you, he could almost have said, if you don't believe me go and ask one of them and and this is really important he writes it, as you say this book
1: first Corinthians when believers were still Jesus only had been killed 20 25 years or indeed, so before indeed, yep and so there were plenty of people around that could have
0: denied it, but they yeah, didn't. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, this to me is so important because uh, what you find in this passage here is Paul, um, in uh, to Paul, the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ was not a faith statement. In the first century, we sometimes say, Oh, hey, that's a faith statement. Well, Perhaps, um, I don't even grant that, but you know, perhaps it might be the case in our era, but in his era, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was an evidence based reality. In other words, reason. It was reasonable, a uh, uh, conclusion. And so for our time,
1: this chapter talks about if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, we're above all people most pitiable. So in our time, we take that factual event that occurred, which was reasonable reason, and by faith,
0: we receive it ourselves. We believe that the same will happen to us. Yeah. Now, no, no, that that's where faith kicks in, because what we have in this chapter, we have got uh, Paul presenting a reality. Paul says, uh, and uh, as evidence... There's these 500 people. Go and ask them. He presents evidence. Then he turns to um to the the later era, uh, and uh, and he says, and to us, uh, he says, and this resurrection of Jesus Christ is actually the first fruits of. Your own resurrection Those now, that will follow Do we have to accept that by faith? Yes That's uh, certainly something That I have to accept by but faith But not a blind faith But not a blind
1: faith It's based on fact It's based on evidence It's based on reason Therefore it's a reasonable
0: faith It is And and to me This is the thing That I, I look at uh, Please 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 Don't ever let Anybody tell you That faith is blind Faith is not blind Faith can never be blind Blind faith uh, Takes us nowhere This is evidence based Great faith. to hear. Oh, getting worked up. Sorry, Karen. sorry. David. I, I, every now and then I start preaching into this microphone, and I'm, I'm sorry for you. you no, know, you're doing you know, a I'm, great. Uh, job. I'm actually waving my arms around as well. But you know, David, look, we do need to finish. I'm conscious our time is almost gone. Uh, would you like to pray for us?
1: Father God, uh, we just want to thank you that you're a God who is a God of intellect, who imparts intellect, Lord, and thinking and the faculties of the mind and not to be devoid or separate to faith because they support each other, Lord. We have to realize that reason comes from you as does faith. Lord, we thank you that uh, we don't have to take our, our intellect out, our brain out or put it in neutral but we can trust in you based on evidence, based on reason. And yet we still reach forward by faith to the things yet to occur. So, Father, we pray a blessing on our listeners. May they trust in you. May they know that they're not
0: following a whim or a fable or folly. Uh, May you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Folks, thank you so much. It does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan are going to join us uh, and they look at, they're going to dig into the question, how did faith function in the ministry of Jesus Christ? This is powerful when you understand how it functioned. Really look forward to uh, being with you then, but until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been
1: made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.